Well, hey, welcome into another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, we talk a lot of hockey. Barry Colts look to rebound after a less than stellar three-game stretch last weekend. Conversely, the Barry Jr. Sharks posted two shutout wins and a tie on a road trip to the Ottawa area. So why aren't there more yahoos and azuz for them? We look at the effort to get them on the hockey map locally. But first, some red flags from health officials regarding vaping, the number of young people trying it and getting hooked, the number of shops selling vaping products illegally to young people. The tobacco industry, a big player in this, using many of the same enticements it once used to get people to start smoking cigarettes, including attractive packaging and flavored products. Barry 360's Ian McLennan now in conversation with Cindy Baker-Burrill and Martin Kuhn from the Simcoe Muskoka District Health Unit. The health unit recently uh, sent out a release uh, concerning, uh, concerning vaping. I had a number of stats from the Ontario Student Drug and Health Survey regarding number of young people that vape province-wide compared to Simcoe Muskoka. And the numbers show that in Simcoe Muskoka, the rate is uh, higher than the provincial average. Is that correct? Yes, it is. One in three students in grades 7 to 12 reported vaping in the last year. And since vapes became legal in 2018, they just seem to have um, increased significantly in their use by young people. Weren't we supposed to look at vapes as kind of the, um, I don't want to say cure, but the miracle replacement for cigarettes? Why do those, especially in the medical field and others, now frown upon vapes? If you smoke, then vaping may be able to help you quit smoking. So completely switching from cigarettes to vaping would be a great idea and can reduce your health risks. However, if you don't smoke at all, starting to vape, does not make sense. It increases health risk. So what we have found is the vaping devices have been made to be very techy, cool, uh, appealing to young people with thousands of flavors, and um, those aren't all really necessary to help somebody quit smoking. So the, va- the va- e-cigarettes can be helpful for someone who smokes, but for young people it's a really bad idea. It just gives them addiction to nicotine that they don't need. Are vapes too new to determine the long-term effects, health effects on, 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 you know, the human body? There are health effects to vaping, for sure. They're just starting to be identified because you are putting chemicals in your lungs. Um, so there was, for instance, the problem with the Evali where, Evali where the um, it gelled inside the lungs and caused some serious lung problems at one point, and that was caused by a particular chemical within the vapor product. So they have since quit using that. But you are putting chemicals in your lungs, and, and for example, when you heat it up, the chemical formaldehyde is formed from the glycol and the vegetable glycerin. So when we know that formaldehyde is a cancer-causing product. So there are issues with with vaping from that perspective, but it's the the burning of cigarettes that is the really um, unhealthy part of smoking. So it is really felt that vaping for someone who smokes should be less harmful. For young people who have never uh, smoked cigarettes and um, are trying out vapes, the level of addiction is really astonishing. So when we go to our, our science advisors, um, who, who um, work with young people to determine, you know, the nature of the addiction. These kids are getting up in the middle of the night to vape, and um, the first thing they do in the morning is they, is they um, 
you know, use their vape. This is this is not normal. Um, it's not. It's not a. It's an. It's an addiction. It's it's harmful, and it's and it's um, impinges on a on a young person's ability just to move freely through life. Um, so it's really not fair. Compared and compared to cigarettes, like I, I mean, when we were kids, um, I can't remember anybody with an addiction level waking up in the middle of the night to smoke a cigarette or uh, having a cigarette first thing when they got up. But this is a common experience for our, um, a lot of our high school students. And what are the reg- regulations right now around marketing of vape products? Who, who can buy them? And I don't know if you're able to comment, uh, comment on a question about uh, is the legislation need to be stiffened? The regulations for vaping have been increasingly uh, ramped up over the years. Um, and so when cannabis became legal in 2018, the Smoke-Free Ontario Act was um, beefed up to include um, cannabis, but also to package vaping into it. So uh, the health, every health unit in Ontario um, regulates uh, vapor retailers very, very closely. Um, however, I just wanted to identify that we had such a terrible problem in 2022 with our normal uh, convenience stores and specialty vape stores selling um selling vapor products to our, our youth test shoppers, that um, we actually, we had to do an enforcement campaign at the beginning of, of this year. So um, we've had, um, it, it, just in 2022, we had 250 investigations for illegal sale of tobacco and vapor products to, to our test shoppers. And in schools, it was astonishing. We, we, were doing, we had 90 investigations in, uh, in area secondary schools related to, to young people vaping where they shouldn't vape. So to answer your question, the, um, there's a very heavy control as to selling of these products and also um, use of these products in, in restricted areas like schools. But we're still, still fighting uh, a significantly uh, concerning public health problem in, for, this, for this product. Um, and, and just to tie it in, like we're in 2022, uh, or sorry, in 2023, We've done um, 77 charges for, like, convenience stores, grocery stores, throughout Simcoe, Muskoka, selling, um, selling these products to minors. So there are regulations in place, but um, the, the industry is not being responsible. And, just, and, the, and the tip of the iceberg on this one is specialty vape stores. These are stores where flavored vapor products are allowed to be sold, but youth are not allowed into these stores. And, Ian, we've had 12 charges in the specialty vape stores selling to our kids who are not even supposed to be allowed into those stores. So there's a very heavy regulatory, um, you know, um, framework in place, but um, we still have um, really, really significant compliance problems. And what are the fines or what's, what's the, um, if there is a conviction, what, what, are, what are the consequences? Well, for vapor products, if, if they sell to, to our kids, to our test shoppers, it's... Um, each ticket is about five hundred dollars, so it's um, the 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 ticket the normal outlay of tickets that we would do at, when our test shoppers buy at a convenience store is around two thousand dollars because four four tickets are usually laid um, related to the fact set. So, but then it goes up, and so if um, the place keeps selling, we go we go to a next level in the provincial offenses court. Um, where we can seek probationary orders to compel these stores not to keep doing this offense. And, and at that point, there are significant sanctions, and in some cases, even like jail but that's, uh, or, or a prison. But that's not something that uh, happens 
um, happens often, that's for sure. Yeah. And are these products being marketed by the tobacco industry? Yes, the tobacco industry has uh, taken over, owns a significant portion of the vaping industry, and they have really been using the same kind of marketing tactics that they used with smoking. And, and historically, they, you know, they did things that were attractive to young people. So like we said, like I said earlier, these techie devices are very appealing and they certainly look fun and they taste fun and they smell good. I had a youth approach me, um, someone I know, and say, hey, why don't you try this? I don't vape. And, oh, it's uh, this flavor. He goes, not as good as the last one I had. And it sounded like he was talking like he'd been at a Baskin Robbins and it was about ice cream flavors, you know? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. That's what it's like. And we put them on the market, and so young people are thinking they're safe. Like, why would we make them legal if they weren't safe? Well, they're not safe. If you smoke and you're trying to quit, great. But if you're a young person that's never smoked, it's kind of sad because our smoking rates have are, are so low now, and now we've got this other problem where we're having young people put something in their lungs again. Okay, well, there, you know, people say, well, there's money to be made from the government can make money off tobacco with taxes. Do um, do they cash in with vapes as well? Yes, there's um, there is now a federal taxation regime for rate for for vapes, uh, and I think the provincial government is considering it. But um, the the most so okay, so price is important. Price price does deter young people from from buying vape, no question about it. But if um, if there was a blanket uh, ban on flavored vapor products, so in so that the only really vapor products that one could purchase in Ontario would be like tobacco flavor, or menthol, or mint, which are the three main flavors permitted in convenience stores. If those were the only flavors that youth could access in Ontario. Um, we feel that this would be a significant, a significant benefit from a public health lens in lowering the use of, of vapes by our, our, our children and youth. And we, so really I know I've seen it for... the same as the regulations for cigarettes. Okay. So that you just had one flavor so that they weren't appealing. Now, a number of countries are looking at uh, legislation like that. I think UK, France. Um, have, are there any countries where the, the flavored products have been banned? Or provincially, yes, actually, in, in Canada, there's other provinces that have gone have done this. Okay. Um, so the East Coast, um, some of the East Coast provinces, to, to my knowledge, have restricted it down to some very basic flavors. So it is happening even in Canada. Um, so and and would it be beneficial for Ontario? Absolutely. And, and you know, again, back to just our local problems. Um, uh, if I've got specialty vape stores allowing young people into their age-restricted uh, businesses and selling them uh, vapor products, you know, uh, the, the industry's not being responsible. So, I mean, this is where regulation can, can really be of assistance. Again, we talk the you know, possible long-term consequences. Um, are we, you know, heading down a path where um, we're going to be in the same boat with those that used to smoke, you know, use, use the tobacco? if we don't make changes? So we don't know how harmful the long-term health effects will be at this point, but we do know there will be long-term health effects, and it looks like they won't be as bad as for smoking, but do we really want any health effects? 
so I would avoid the product. Um, what I wanted to say is I would suggest if people are looking for more information, particularly parents or educators, to check out the notanexperiment.ca website because you can go there to see what the mental health consequences are, uh, tips on how to resist using the products for young people, um, as well as a couple of apps that you can use if you're trying to quit vaping to support you in your quit, quit journey. And what is that website again? Notanexperiment.ca. So what we're really saying is don't let the tobacco industry uh, do their experiment on you. While we don't know the health effects, why would we have a legal product? This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. The Barry Junior Sharks off to a great start this year. Their first four home games, they won three out of the four, which is awesome. We're trying to get more excitement about this team, put them on the map. And to help us generate some excitement about that is uh, Shannon Murray, who is uh, an executive sponsor, an elite sponsor of the team. Uh, one of its uh, biggest supporters, obviously, and uh, a member of the management team as well. Welcome back. Yes, thank you so much. This is this is awesome. What a super start to the season, generating a lot of excitement. Now we need to get the community excited too. Absolutely. I mean, I love to be part of this whole energy and everything. And I know I always say my girls, but young ladies and never meaning any disrespect, you know, because they work so hard. They are in amazing athletes, actually. It's incredible to watch. What's what's really interesting about this is you know nothing about hockey. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> but, but you're becoming passionate about it. I do not. I'm sure my friends and family and colleagues are like, oh my gosh, here she is sharing another um, hockey post. But that is what is so intriguing and exciting about it. It. If I can get involved and get excited about it, so can anyone else, right? Like no matter how involved, if you've got your child in Pee Wee or you've got, you know, um, and you've been part of the hockey community, your boys or whatever, watching the Colts, watching the Leafs or whatever your favorite team is, that is what I love. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I watched hockey when I was when I was a kid going to the arena. I'm not much of a TV person. I like it live. Um, but to watch the the sportsmanship of everything that is going on, I'm not a drop the gloves person. That's what turned me off about hockey. You know that the whole testosterone and things like that. I get it. I need the sport of it. I need the I need the competitiveness, and that is what I love about watching these young women play hockey. And and believe it or not, someone mentioned to me, oh, but it's not that fast. I challenge you to come watch a game. And get out of your head because, oh my gosh, it is great hockey. It is competitive. It's it's speed. It's got everything you want, minus the glove action. It's it's a pure form of the game. It the is. The way it was played in the beginning, like you say, there's not the, the fisticuffs. That doesn't mean it's not a physical game. There is still hitting, but uh, it, it's 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 a it's on a different level, and 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 it's refreshing to watch. Yeah. Oh gosh, don't get me wrong. These girls are kick butt competitive, like wanting to win, and you see that energy. It, it must be in the coaching. It must be in how they're they're taught because they put the focus on the strategies, the game. We encourage everybody to come watch. And afterwards, they're like, wow, that was amazing hockey. But you want to get more people out. And and, and here's the thing. It's it's free to go watch them at the, the East Bayfield Community Center. Yeah, the East Bayfield, the Green Rink. Yep. So, and they're, they're there generally at least once a week, although they were on a, a bit of a road trip uh, the last few days. Yes. Um, 
but you want to get more people out to, to, to watch the game, to grow the game. You want to get some pretty important people out to see what it is, to get them supporting it, to, to get more exposure for the game. Absolutely correct. You know, I firmly believe that everything starts from the top down and representation matters. And my involvement is not so much just of the sport of it because I'm such a huge sport buff. My involvement is because I am a huge advocate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So when I look at how things are to another junior hockey league, to the inequalities that these young ladies face, we say free. And it's not because it is derogatory or a reflection of their performance. It's how it is mandated, unfortunately. And, you know, again, that's unfair. And we talk about, you know, the PWHL. I know that you had some amazing guests in the other day. And we talk about how it is transforming from that NHL level. And honestly, don't discount the players or this just because it's free. It's because we need more sponsors. It's because, you know, again, what's mandated, but it doesn't take away from the amazing play that you're going to see. So I'm putting a challenge out starting at the top within our city, the city of Barrie. I'm putting it out to our mayor. I'm putting this challenge out to our councillors for everyone to talk about it. I recognize that we have other things going on right now in our community. But we're talking about representation and we're talking about the importance of sportsmanship and how these people also give back to our community and how they continue to evolve and go on to other things and forms of leadership. How do people get a hold of you if they're interested in helping out in this regard, if they want to be a sponsor, if they want to pick up uh, the hockey stick and, and skate with it? Absolutely. It's very simple. Just go to our Berry Sharks website, and I am part of an amazing, prestigious uh, management committee. And I'm really honored that they get to hear my voice from a marketing standpoint and my position on diversity, equity, inclusion. And anyone can get involved from a spans- sponsor, sharing the posts, attending the games, Anything, I mean, anything from so small to so big, we really need to create that ripple effect of change. That's what we're looking for. Just let's elevate it. It's there. Everyone can do something. And what's really important or or very interesting is when Brampton was redoing the change room, they too put a challenge out to every other city and town saying, listen, this is what we are doing for our our young ladies. So I'm looking forward to all these videos being shared and I challenge everybody else to do it. So I'm not the only one challenging everyone else from the top going down and everyone listening in this area can do it. Have you found since that uh, game came to Sadlin Arena last year that the tour with the the Women's Hockey League, uh, have you found that there's been some more interest generated that and the PWHL starting up and we have uh, a Barry representative uh, that was drafted uh, to the team in New York for that, and they're starting up soon. That's a very good question, but I'm actually going to defer back that back to you, Dan. And the reason I'm going to defer that back that question back to you is because you were my guest. So, did that make a change for you and open your eyes? I think my eyes had already been opened. I, I've been watching the women's game for a long, long time, so I've been a supporter. I was. Uh, I was amazed at the number of people at Sadlin Arena for the game and the excitement that uh, was generated there um, and and the excitement that I've seen generated by the PWHL and their draft. So I think it's coming, but I'm wondering if if you've seen it at the Barry Sharks level, 
Uh, if there's been any more community interest as a result of all those things that have been happening? I really do. I have, I've been part of, this is my third year, and uh, I really do see a difference. Now, I don't know if it's just because my eyes are wide open, but there's so many things that I've been learning and been educated on uh, by by my colleagues on the committee and, and by staff and by these young ladies that I really didn't know about before, which is why I've been pushing back harder so, yeah, I definitely see a change from what it was then to what it is now. And I see more people going, oh, who are who are these? Not just for the berry sharks, but province-wide in general, right? Uh, you know, double check in your city of what's going on. So, yeah, I do see way more excitement and more buzz the more we talk about it. Because before it was like, oh, I didn't even know we had a junior women's hockey team. And as much as we've talked about the, the, the level of excitement and exuberance at the management level, The girls on the team are right into this. They're jazzed to be playing this kind of hockey. They are. You know what? Again, representation matters. And especially having someone like Jesse, who was local and has also uh, been able to come in and, and coach with them as well and do different workshops and things like that. So when... When people see someone else that they're aware of doing it, that also gives them hope. And again, that's where I come in. Representation matters. No matter how big or no or how small, everyone just want you you kinda you gotta you have to envision it. To be it, you gotta see it. All right. Give us the website again to get a hold of you and the management team as well as to find out when the next games are. Yes, just go to berryjuniorsharks.ca. And also follow us on Facebook, and we also uh, show the the home games on YouTube as well. That's how you can show your support. Just follow us, give us a share, just create the ripple effect of change, and please let everybody else know what an amazing uh, sport that we have here, right here at home. Shannon, thanks for your time. Thanks for your efforts on behalf of uh, women's hockey, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. The Sharks went on their first road trip of the season last weekend, winning two games in Ottawa and playing to a tie in the Nepean. They sit third in their division, heading into Saturday's game in Etobicoke and a Sunday game played at Sadlin Arena. What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began two summers ago, learned about the Orbit Adventure in Innisfil, a proposed all-inclusive community with a ghost station at its core, spoke with the author of the Sex, Drugs, and Pots and Pans cookbook about such dishes as roasted red-hot chili peppers and Paradise by the Oven Light meatloaf. And we got some insight into stiff person syndrome from a Barry woman who was stricken with it. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, the week that was or wasn't for the Barry Colts. Now this. Our community rocks. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling 1-888-2-DONATE. Our community rocks on Barrie's Rock Station. Rock 95. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. 
The Barry Colts have seen better days, went 0 for 3 last weekend. They're fourth in the Central Division with a record of 4 and 5. We get our weekly look behind the scenes with Barry 360's Will Conkin and Colts writer and broadcaster Gene Pereira. Here we go, Gene, and it's uh, not good stuff. Three losses in three days for the Colts, 5-3 against Flint, 3-1 to Guelph, and then 5-3 to Sudbury. Tough schedule with the uh, consecutive games, but would have been nice to get at least one of them. You mentioned it in your write-up after Sudbury. They've struggled on the power play and penalty kill. Yeah, special teams was really the big factor this weekend in the three losses. And, uh, you know, for a young team, there's a lot of new faces on the power play. And, uh, you know, just... You know, as well, when, you know, Barry kind of ran into some penalty trouble, uh, some lack of discipline. And when you do that, you know, of course, you get the same guys that are being used on both the power play and penalty kill. And it really affects your lines and the flow of the game. And uh, I think for Barry, starting Thursday against Flint, uh, Flint, you know, they got down early 2 nothing, battled back 2-2, but they gave up a late second period goal after a dominating period, second period. Uh, and to Flint, we took the lead, and then they kind of uh, used that momentum to uh, to play Barry in the third. But I think the story in that one was Barry had some opportunity, power play opportunities in the first three, including a two-man advantage, and they didn't capitalize. And that was kind of going to be the theme all weekend. Uh, you know, Guelph, uh, they went into Guelph, which is a very good hockey team this year. And, uh, you know, they actually got up one nothing despite just getting one shot in the first period. But, you know, again, penalty trouble, uh, you know, and, you know, even though the penalty kill uh, has struggled, but, you know, it's tough. They gave up two. Uh, they ended up giving up three power play goals in that 3-1 loss, and two of them were five on three, and that's really hard to defend again. And, again, Barry had their own power play chances couldn't capitalize, and that carried into Saturday against Sudbury. Again, Sudbury, a team the favorites in the Eastern Conference this year. Again, Sudbury, you know, got on top. Barry kind of kept it close, but they could never get close enough. And again, the story there, they couldn't capitalize on their own power plays. And, uh, you know, then when Sudbury had three power play goals themselves. So, you know, specialty teams was uh, really the difference all weekend. And it's something, you know, last year, it took Barry a little bit, uh, a little while to get going and you know get that familiarity with the system and so on. But this year, uh, it has really struggled, and uh, you know as we see, it, it can make a difference in hockey games. And it really was the story of the three losses uh, on the weekend. Head coach uh, Marty Williamson was mentioning that they missed Jacob Frasca for the power play. Also talked about the depth of the roster compared to last year. Um, could also youth be a factor in that? Yeah, I think, you know, that's, I mean, anytime you get a big vet like Frost, and he's, he's, he's a big part of that power play, he's a big body, he gets down low and gets in front of the net, and, uh, you know, there's there's no doubt they missed Jacob, uh, but, you know, overall, I mean, like I said, he, you know, Marty's put a lot of new faces on the power play as he tries to do things, and it just takes a bit to get the system going, and, you know, I think with, when you talk to the players, you know, they, they, they don't want to panic. They don't want to, uh, on the power play, they think it's going to come eventually. And, uh, you know, they do get uh, some good chances. Uh, you know, I thought as the weekend went on, they got a bit better in that, uh, keeping the puck in the zone and, and getting opportunities. But, you know, the difference is last year, you know, you had guys like Carwell and Drilling, veterans, Brant Clark came on board in the second half. People... Uh, players that were really good finishers, and you know this year, uh, you know they don't have a, that same polish. And I think you see that uh, in the power play. And 
you know, for for matters, uh, you know, you got guys like uh, Shamir Moses who uh, who's played really well, earned himself some time on the power play, and I think you're going to see just as he gets a little bit more experience and this young team guys like Wiley Patterson, I think they are going to be better on the specialty teams as we move along. Edward Chalet hasn't been playing well during this stretch. Uh, what's going on with him? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, he got off to a good start, had points in each of his first four games, and then coming into the weekend had, like, uh, you know, had been just uh, pointless in four of his last five. And, uh, you know, and again, I, I think, you know, we, we sometimes forget how much of a big adjustment it is coming over from from Europe for these players. I mean, it's not just an adjustment on the ice and a different, you know, game uh, that they're adjusting to in the, in the smaller ice surface, but, you know, as well too off the ice where, you know, uh, there, you know a lot of these players at times live away from home the first time. They're, they're, they're further away from their parents, and it's something that can, uh, you know, can creep up. And, uh, you know, sometimes they got the hope is here that uh, uh, Edward's parents are going to come in on uh, Wednesday, at least I think his mother is, and that will be a big, uh, I'm sure that will be a big boost for the young player. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt, I mean, when you see the skill, uh, uh, skill set on him, he's an outstanding, uh, talented player. That's why the Seattle Kraken made him their uh, 20th overall pick in the NHL draft this year. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, if, if this gives him a bit of a lift. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta, you got to remember that you watch these young guys and you forget that they're young guys and uh, they're making big adjustments on and off the ice. And if this all wasn't disheartening enough, they have to do it again. Three games in three days. Erie tonight at Sadlin, Mississauga Friday, then back to Sadlin on Saturday against Brantford. Is there any cause for panic? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, you know, what what you do is you can't. You know, you got to build off it. And, you know, there were good moments. Uh, I know you look at it. Three losses. There's a lot of good to take from that. And uh, you know, we saw the players Shimer, Moses, Grisolia, and and uh, uh, Weigel. Uh, you know, they, that line was outstanding all weekend, and, uh, you know, you'll see, you see positives coming through in that. Uh, Hillebrand, I thought, made some big saves. The young netminer got played in two of the three games uh, there, and, you know, even though he gave up some goals, he was outstanding in keeping his team, especially against Sudbury, keeping it close and uh, giving his team a chance. Um, I think the most important thing is that you know you gotta as you go through these games and these losses you gotta learn from them and that's that's what you want to see from uh, a young team like Barry is that they they learn from this obviously uh, you know Thursday night against Erie at home again you set up a big weekend and just like it was against Flint uh, that first home game is really important and you know you talk to any coach and. And uh, you want to get that first one at home and kind of build off that the rest of the weekend. Otherwise, you lose, and then you got to kind of go on the road. And uh, for Barry again this weekend, you know they're facing an Erie team that'll be desperate. So you know they're going to be in a, a tough fight, even though Erie has had their own struggles. But uh, you, know, you, you can bet the Otters will be will be pumped. And uh, you know then they got to go into Mississauga, where, where you know Barry's got to go to Mississauga on Friday, where they've just been. That's another one in the books. Thanks again, Gene. Thanks, Will. 
And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com. Some of you can still see us on Facebook, and there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.